South Carolina. We'll start to look ahead to Louisiana Monroe a little bit today. What UK needs to do to avoid an upset. Uh, an upset that they clearly can't afford, but an upset that I, I think is very unlikely. Basketball, UK basketball news, John Calipari's combine is this Friday. We'll talk what that will do with recruits. And is it more important for recruits or is it more important for this current team uh, actually positioning themselves into the NBA? We podcasted with Cats Illustrated today, and uh, that was a topic of conversation. So I'll, I'll bring that into the show a little bit today. And obviously, and unfortunately, we'll have to talk a little bit about Lloyd Tubman and his uh, being charged with rape. That is obviously, I'm going to not talk a lot about it. It's obviously a very touchy situation and something you're going to have to wait and find out all the facts about. Uh, But Adam Simmelsbach of the Courier-Journal wrote a column uh, criticizing to, to a degree Mark Stoops' comments yesterday about about the charges uh, we talked about in the air yesterday. It was originally when we, the news first break was sexual assault, uh, later charged with rape, and, and the details of the case are online, and you, and you can read those if if you're if you so choose. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't look great for Lloyd Tubman and. Uh, again, he's going to get his side of the story, something that we haven't heard yet. He was released on uh, bond today, $10,000. And, and it sounds like he won't finish out the rest of the semester as a student. Instead, will live with his mom in Louisville and, and await the legal and watch the legal process unfold. So we're going to talk a little bit more about Adam Himmelsbach's column of the courier journal it has a lot of uk fans worked up mark stoops comments yesterday mark stoops actually called lloyd tubman today not excuse me called adam himmelsbach today to clear some of those comments up so we'll talk about that first let's let's get the let's get the tubman stuff out of the way it's not something that i feel comfortable talking about i don't think it should be something that uh, anybody in the media should feel willing to talk about or or something that's easy to talk about. Uh, If you're reporting on it, that's one thing, but I'm clearly not reporting. I'm talking about it on the radio. It's uh, an unfortunate situation, regardless. There's no no way this could play out where it's fortunate for anybody. And that's something that needs to be kept uh, in the back of, of fans' minds. Regardless of what happens here, Lives are going to be altered, uh, likely for the worst to some degree. Even in a best-case scenario for Tubman, uh, this is still something that's going to to stick with him. Uh, and the best-case scenario for, for Tubman is that these charges and all this is untrue, clearly. But, but he knows what he did, and uh, even if it, it – there's just no winners in a situation like this, and especially with it being – college students freshmen in college it's it's it, it just it shouldn't make anybody feel comfortable and I, I, I do urge fans to be patient with all this and let the legal process play out uh, we don't know if he's 
guilty or not. He he was charged, but he hasn't been clearly hasn't been convicted. So wait and, and see how this plays out. Again, I talked about it on the air yesterday. Mark Stoops can't control what his players, what they do off the field. And, and it is unfortunate timing for UK where you do have an incident uh, featuring an airsoft gun last week. And then this week you have this. Obviously, this is a much more serious, a much more serious crime. Uh, you know, given the circumstances and, and how it unfolded last week, that was not a joke and that was serious. But at the end of the day, nobody got hurt. Uh, a valuable lesson could be learned. Here, it doesn't sound like that's the case. So it's unfortunate timing for Mark Stoops. And anytime something like this would happen, it would be unfortunate timing. But to have back-to-back incidents, uh, Adam, Adam Himmelsbach wrote, is he losing control of UK's program or, or what's uh, does Mark Stoops need to be examined as maybe not being as uh, disciplined as a coach as he lets on to believe. And I, I don't think that's fair to say at this point. Uh, he, he had some trouble with some of Joker Phillips guys and, and he has dismissed quite a few players since he took over way back when, two years ago, not way back when, but when he took over just a few years ago at the end of the 2012 season, he's had to let go of guys that weren't his players. And what those players did, you can't hold Mark Stoops accountable to that whatsoever. Now, there's been some players that, and I'm not saying any player that Mark Stoops didn't recruit is off the hook. They can get in trouble. It can't reflect back on on Mark Stoops. But in that first year, I, I would say that it, you can't really blame him. But then you had Raymond Sanders get in trouble, and DeMarco Robinson's been in trouble here and there. Those guys, while they weren't recruited by Mark Stoops, it, it was under his watch. It was enough time for him to get comfortable in, in the position, and, and that can reflect back on Mark Stoops. Again, he shouldn't be responsible for what players do off the field all the time. Play college kids are going to make mistakes. It happens at every college and every university, and it's it's clear throughout the country. It, not just athletes are the only college kids making mistakes. So he can't have a, a hold on all his players 24-7. Now, what they do in practice and what they do on the field and what they do on Saturdays, if they do something stupid, if they make a bonehead mistake, then yeah, it's fair to go criticize Mark Stoops for that. But if it's a Saturday night and they make a mistake that's going to, to impact them the rest of the li- their lives, it's not realistic to think Mark Stoops should have a grasp on that. Now, I do think some coaches throughout the country don't judge character when recruiting players. There are signs for troubled kids in high school. There's signs for troubled kids in, in grade school. It some coaches don't care. Some coaches want this talented four-star receiver with a questionable background because they're going to help them win football games. Other coaches will will just take the three-star guy that they know they won't they won't have to worry about or they they don't think they're going to have to worry about. I feel that Mark Stoops is the latter. Uh, I do think I do get the sense that he judges characters, and that and that's not necessarily based on conversations with assistant coaches uh, that I've personally have, but I, I've been told that they've 
taken some guys and passed on some other guys based on what they've heard and what they put out on social media and some of their, some of their backgrounds. Sure. I know John Calipari uh, has done it before. And uh, I know the Louisville fans might point out that John Wall had some, uh, got in trouble. He broke into an abandoned house that, that was nothing serious. And, uh, the majority of the players, if not all the players, I'm, I'm kind of going blank under that John Calipari has signed as UK's basketball coach have, have been fairly good kids in high school. Nothing, nothing major. So some coaches do that and some coaches don't. Some coaches don't care. And if Mark Stoops was one of those coaches, then when all this stuff, when this stuff blows up, when you have back-to-back bad weeks where players are getting in trouble, then it would be fair to criticize him and talk about what UK needs to do and if Mitch Barnhart needs to step in. I'm not saying Mitch Barnhart doesn't need to step in anyways, and, and all these mistakes that are happening on UK's football team, they're learning, they're valuable learning lessons. And, and people can grow from these. But by all accounts, anybody close to Lloyd Tubman is surprised, and I was surprised to hear it was him. And I don't know him. I, I don't know any of these recruits or any of these players. I don't hang out with them. And that's one thing that bothers me is when media members or fans even say, well, he's a good kid. Well, you don't know if he's a good kid. You don't know if he's a good kid unless you live with him, unless you are related to him, unless you're friends growing up with him. Just because you met a kid in a parking lot and he signed an autograph for you, if you're a fan, that doesn't make him a good kid. And just because I've done recruiting stories and interviews in basketball gyms with some of these guys. They don't, it doesn't make them good kids. Now they can seem like good kids and that's where wording becomes important. Lloyd Tubman seemed like a good kid. I covered his commitment to Kentucky. I talked about it yesterday. He was with his mom and sisters and didn't necessarily have a father figure growing up and Mom talked about how he's his everything, how proud she is of the man he's turned into, and this and that. By all accounts, he seems like a good kid, and he might, he very well may be. Good kids can make mistakes too. Now, this is a big one, and this is something that you you don't come back from for a, a long time. But people can get judgment wrong, and that goes for Mark Stoops too. So if he. So if Mark Stoops made a mistake in bringing in Lloyd Tubman, then that might just be one. We don't know. But he shouldn't, Mark Stoops shouldn't be held accountable. I don't know. It's not something, this isn't a fun topic to talk about. But Adam Himmelsbach's column was, was interesting. He kind of went after Mark Soups because Mark Soups said he was concerned with all parties. And I'm okay with that. That that wasn't the the main theme. But UK fans, and they've been been arguing whether or not that's okay for Stoops to, 
to be worried about Lloyd Tubman. And right now, that's I think that's perfectly fair for him to be worried about that. A lot of times in recruitments, these high school kids look at these coaches as father figures, and, and the coaches sell themselves as father figures to the parents. Now, obviously, I, I haven't sent a kid to college, and I haven't, and my I went to college, and I and I know how my parents felt when I went to college, but it, it was a little bit of a different situation. I'm was the third family member to go to UK. It's sixty miles down the road. I have a car. I could come home anytime. But for other players, for for other athletes, when they go to college, it is a big deal. It is nice to know that you're going to have a coach look after them and make sure they don't get in trouble, or hope they don't get in trouble. Make sure they stay studying and working hard. So it's understandable how players can look at coaches as father figures. And on the flip side, coaches probably look at their players as if they're their children and they need to guide them straight and make sure they're doing the right thing. And I'm sure to an extent, to an extent, although I disagree with this, I'm sure Stoops feels that he could have, this could have been avoided. Somehow. I don't know how, but I'm sure Stoops is probably pretty bothered by all of this, and he should be. And maybe he blames himself a little bit. I, I don't, I'm sure he doesn't blame the entire incident on himself, but maybe I'm sure he's thinking that, that something could have been done to maybe stop this. So I, I think it's perfectly okay for Stoops to be concerned about Lloyd Tubman and to be thinking about Lloyd Tubman. I think it'd be crazy not to. And he he called Adam Himmelsbach today and, and cleared things up. And he said, I, I was concerned. I'm concerned about all parties, but I'd never be sympathetic towards someone who committed a violent act. I'm very concerned about all parties. I'm very concerned about the whole situation. I'd never want it taken as me being insensitive to a victim because that's not the case. So basically what I, what I took from this is Stoops is saying right now, we don't know the facts and I'm concerned and I'm worried and I'm, I'm interested to learn more, but right now I'm, I'm thinking about everyone involved and that's perfectly fair and that's perfectly normal. And media members shouldn't jump on him saying that he's being insensitive to the victim and UK fans shouldn't jump on this and, and say that he's fully on Lloyd Tubman's side. This is just a, a smart move by Mark Stoops just to say it's the, it's common sense. And the fact that this has been dissected all day is unbelievable to me. And, and I know this is what I'm doing now, but it needs to be set straight where Mark Stoops didn't do anything wrong in this situation. And his comments yesterday, whether they were taken out of context, they were perfectly fine. He should be worried. And, and Almost as a media member, I, I feel that I'm concerned with all parties. I don't have any sort of relationship to Lloyd Tubman, and obviously, I don't even. Nobody knows the 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 lady that is uh, accusing Lloyd Tubman of this. But it's troubling nonetheless. You, you have a a scholarship football player that seemingly has a, a a very bright future ahead of him, possibly throwing it all away. And if he did throw it all away, you have a young college girl who's going to have a, a 
a terrible, terrible memory that that certainly will never go away. So it's a lose-lose as of right now. But we're gonna head to commercial break, and I, I don't it don't not fun to talk about. So we we'll, we'll stop and we'll talk sports. Plenty to talk about with UK's game against Louisiana on a row coming up, the NBA Combine, and I still haven't gotten a chance to talk about the NBA to Louisville which I was meaning to do on Monday, but you know how this show gets. You start talking about one thing and you got data Louisville moving forward. So stick around here on 1450, the sports buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker, 1450, the Sports Buzz. We're back here, second segment, 1450, the Sports Buzz. Yates, how are you today? Doing well. How about you, TJ? Doing all right. Staying busy. Uh, good news, Yates. It is Wednesday. That means we we we've got to ask you a few questions. Can't wait. So the some of the listeners that tweet or text into the show, if you've got some questions you want to ask Yates, get to know the man behind the board, go ahead and send them in, and we'll we'll get to them when, well, frankly, we'll get to them whenever I feel like it. Big TV show tonight, big TV night, Survivor. I have a new South Park, which South Park's been okay this season. I think South Park's kind of in the cat in the. It's become such a big show, and given its pat, it's been going on since 1999. They can't really do wrong, but they also can't be ever be as as good as when they were at their peak. It'll always be entertaining. They're always clever and ironic, but it'll never be as good as it was. But it, it's also I don't think that you can ever watch a South Park episode and not be at least be impressed with their creativity. So another new episode tonight. Uh, Survivor again, like I mentioned. This seems like the episode where John Rocker, the former pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, is really going to, his identity is going to be broken. It's been, the Survivor's been pretty good so far. It's early, but it's been pretty good. And then American Horror Story, which I've talked a lot about starts tonight and if you aren't familiar with what american horror story is uh, it's basically just a a scary tv show but the seasons never correlate so if you didn't see last season if you didn't see the first season it doesn't matter each one is a new american horror story the first season was about a haunted house which was very similar to that house on fourth street where there's been a couple murders, a lot of the same storylines and some of the murders were the same. And uh, it's that was kind of interesting. The second season was about an asylum of crazy people that had a lot of similarities with Waverly Hills, which was interesting. Uh, But the second season got kind of crazy. Also had some stuff to do with aliens and World War II Nazis, and it kind of got out of control. Too many storylines. Third season was about witches and voodoo in New Orleans. 
probably the best idea when it came to the show and the most fun storyline. Execution wasn't great. Still a fun series. So season four tonight is uh, a, a freak show carnival type of setting that takes place in 1950 in Florida. So you're going to have a bunch of your typical freak show characters like the bearded lady and uh, the world's smallest person and this and that. So I don't know how I feel about this storyline. I I think they've kind of run out of some of the good ones. I don't know what other storylines they could, they could have, but this this should work. And anytime in October, I, I get craving scary stuff. So I look forward to that. Do have, uh, I did see Gone Girl last night. Yates, you haven't seen that, have you? I have not, but I've heard it's really good. I really enjoyed it. I didn't necessarily love the ending, but all in all, just a great movie. One of those movies that you're watching, and it's it's kind of a long movie, not super long, but it's it's not your typical hour and 30 minute movie. One of those movies that you're sitting and watching and, and kind of don't want it to end because you're so entertained. And then when it's over, you, you can't believe how quickly it went by. But very entertaining. Leaves you guessing throughout the movie, making predictions. And then uh, a bit of a surprise ending. I wasn't happy with it. I won't ruin it for you, Yates. But all in all, a, uh, a good movie. I was between seeing that and Annabelle just because I'm on a, a scary movie slash show kind of kick because it's October, like I said. Uh, but I, I, without a doubt, made the right decision. I, I haven't seen Annabelle, and I don't know if I will see it, uh, but it is a scary movie, but I'm sure it's not a very good movie. Anyways, we'll move on to some sports stuff. I, I, I need to get – well, we do have a tweet from Rob Blackhawk who says he wants to talk about something more uplifting like tigers eating bulls. I'm surprised nobody did any research last night to to bring to the show today to let us know more about who's the dominant animal in the animal kingdom. A little disappointed, guys. Guys and gals, come back tomorrow. But I do want to talk NBA to Louisville because I went to that game on Saturday. And, and like I mentioned on the show on Monday, and a great environment, great setting. Anybody you talk to involved in the NBA with the Pelicans or Heat, whether it was the coaches or some of the players, talked about how that was an NBA facility. It would be considered one of the nicer NBA facilities. Some people say it's the second nicest arena in the, in the world behind Barclays. Uh, there, no matter how you how you spin it, it's up there. It's the Yum Center is, and you know it's getting to be about what four or five years old, and it's still, it's still up there. And several other arenas have been built. Obviously, maybe nothing to that magnitude, but um, it's an NBA arena, and I think Louisville needs to fill it with an NBA team. And I think seeing Saturday, although it's a small sample size, I feel that was a step in the right direction. And here's how an NBA team works in Louisville. Here's without a doubt how it works in Louisville. Because there's some easy ways with how it works. It works by having a good team. If Louisville has a good team, uh, the state of Kentucky and the city of Louisville, they support all good teams regardless. 
especially when you when it, our, our sample size right now is Louisville sports or UK sports. Louisville football is good. Papa John's has fifty five thousand people there. If Louisville basketball is good, the Yum Center's packed. If Kentucky's football is good, you have a crowd like you, you had against South Carolina. And if UK ba- UK basketball, even if they're not good, you get you get Commonwealth or you get Rupp Arena leading the nation in attendance, regardless. So if you have a good team in Louisville and you combine uh, all the fan support that there is in this state, you know, and let's not let's not forget Southern Indiana too. You could also dip into Cincinnati. They it, with Cincinnati, they either have to cheer for the Cavs or the Pacers. You put a team in Louisville, that might be they might get support from there as well. Also, maybe Nashville, St. Louis. So, you, but you'd, you'd have enough support, and if it was a good team, you'd have no problem getting eighteen thousand to the Yum Center night in, night out. But that's the easy solution because good teams anywhere will thrive, and and that, that's that's the easy way out. Here's how: even if the team wasn't great or had bad nights, and this one's this one's relatively easy too, but not maybe not the most realistic. You have a UK and or a UVL player on the team, or you have a UVL player or a UK player on the team. If Louisville had an NBA team right now and it had Demarcus Cousins. And Francisco Garcia. People would go to the games just to see those guys again. Would you buy tickets just because of that? I, I, I think a lot of people probably would. But if not, they'd still go and see them. So you put some former UK UVL players on the team, that's going to work. And again, that might not be super realistic because that's not how the draft works, and that's not how free agency works. Although the draft could work like that if if this Louisville, if the Louisville Colonels had the third pick in the NBA, and let's say this UK player was projected to go seventh, maybe the Colonels leap and take them. You're going to sell tickets that way. So in a dream scenario, you have a good team that has a Louisville and a Kentucky player on it, and you're rocking. Now, the worst case scenario, you have one one Louisville or one UK player, and you're still going to be able to draw that fan base just based on having that player. And here's the other thing. When other UK or UVL players come into town, you're going to draw for those games. So when John Wall comes to the Yum Center to take on the Colonels, UK fans are going to want to see him. When Russ Smith and the Pelicans, along with Anthony Davis and Darius Miller, come into the Yum Center to take on the Colonels, who's not going to want to see the who's not what Louisville fans not going to want to see Russ Smith? And there are you know there's several NBA teams that don't have a UK or UVL player on them, but at this rate, with what John Calabari is doing at UK, that's not going to be the case for a, for a super long time. It's not unreasonable. It's not completely unreasonable to think that UK could have a player on every NBA team. Now, I'm not saying fans in Louisville and UK fans in Louisville and UK fans in the surrounding area are going to drift to a Tuesday night NBA game to watch DeAndre Liggins if he makes an NBA roster. 
you know, it'd have to be the superstars. But an NBA team in Louisville is, is theoretically, in my opinion, built for success. It has a backbone with those storylines right there. You could have a, an, NBA, an NBA team in Louisville that doesn't do super well, that has maybe a, a bad few years. But as long as these UK players and UofL players keep coming into town, the attendance isn't going to be the thing that kills it. And if they ever were to get an NBA team, the first three years of that NBA team, the attendance would be great regardless of how bad they were. Fans would be so excited to have a professional team. First three years crowd would be great. They could go 0-82 three straight years and people would still show up. So we're talking about after that initial burst of excitement, how to make the team work. And, and it, it, it's self-sustaining in a sense. You're going to have UK and UVL guys come in. People are going to want to see them. Tickets sold like that. That's with a bad team. You have a bad team, that's happening regardless. You have a bad team, you add a UK and UVL player to the team, then demand becomes that much higher. UK UVL fans, they want to know what other players you can surround these UK UVL players with to make the team that much more successful. And then in any scenario where you have a winning team, you have a winning team with no UK UVL players, who cares? Fans are excited. You have a winning team with UK and UVL players, boom. I, I talked some, to some media members there at the game on Saturday. Some of them, it was kind of funny talking about if you think the NBA is going to work or not in Louisville. Russ Smith hinted uh, towards a very strong no, it wouldn't work. Darius Miller was very excited and optimistic, saying, yeah, it would work. Of course it'd work. Look at these fan bases here. You had, uh, and then some of the media members I talked to, if they covered U of L, they, they kind of sided towards no, they didn't think it'd work. I did talk to a couple that cover U of L and said, yeah, it might work, but Louisville would suffer from it. The University of Louisville would suffer from it. You talk to UK media members and they're all for it. They they think it'd work. So there's no doubt in my mind that it would work. Now, would it hurt Louisville is the big question, and that's what's keeping U of L from really not making this realistic. If Louisville's on board, if U of L is on board, then you'd have the mayor, you'd have Tom Jurich, you'd have everybody at UofL on board, and the city of Louisville. There could be a, there could actually be a chance it could happen. But as of right now, you don't have UofL on board, and is that fair? For is that fair? Well, it, it might be fair. It might be understanding why they don't want to get behind it. But I don't, I don't think it would hurt Louisville season ticket sales drastically. I don't think you'd have Louisville season ticket holders that would prefer season tickets to the to the Colonels over Louisville. And I don't think it'd impact Louisville football whatsoever. I don't. I'm sure people can make a case that it would, but I don't think it is. Louisville football would still be the big football show in town. They're different cravings. People crave football and they crave basketball when it's basketball season. 
So Louisville football would be fine. It wouldn't be touched. Now, would it hurt Louisville basketball? Attendance might be down a thousand tops. But overall, I don't think it is. I don't think it would. Could Louisville risk to lose some money because of it? Maybe. Would it be enough? I don't think so. But here's something that nobody's talking about, is it would help Louisville recruiting. And Rick Pitino's a fine recruiter. You know, he's not bringing in top three classes year in and year out, although he was on pace to do that until Louisville lost Antonio Blankney. But eventually another coach is going to be at Louisville, and maybe he's not going to be as good as a recruiter. You have an NBA team there. That's a huge asset for recruiting. It is. You can sell that pitch. John Calipari sold that pitch at Memphis. You get a, a, a NBA team in town, you say, hey, you come here, you know, we know that we're going to be able to help you and make you the best player possible. We know we can get you at the next level. But worst case scenario, you get hurt, something happens, we can get you a tryout with the hometown team. Another recruiting pitch. Hey, come to Louisville. We've got NBA facilities. We've got an NBA arena. Everything about us is NBA. We share the building with NBA. There's NBA superstars coming in and out, night in and night out. This will be your best bet to get prepared for pro life because you'll basically be a pro without getting paid playing in a professional city. It's everything you want. We've got the best, one of the best college fan bases. We've got a basketball hungry city. You'd be a rock star here, just like the professionals. I cover recruiting. Kids would eat that up. Now, as you have it right now, just so happens that there's not any huge college basketball program in an NBA town. You have UCLA, and UCLA sells their their campus life and night style. And I, and I know that UCLA isn't in the heart of downtown Los Angeles, but that's part of the sell that when they recruit. And you, you have Memphis. Memphis has kind of fallen off a little bit since John Calipari left, but Josh Pastner's still getting probably better talent to come to Memphis than they deserve based on results, given that they haven't been great since he took over in 2009. And, and you look at other big NBA cities. DePaul's never going to be good in Chicago. You go up northeast to... Rutgers and Seton Hall and St. John's, those aren't big-time programs. I feel that Georgetown does a little bit better with the Wizards being in town than, than they're given results, especially lately. The Atlanta Hawks and Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech's not a basketball program. That's, not a, that's nothing to write home about. So you don't see... And I guess for opposing argument's sake, it's kind of the chicken or the egg. Are these ta- are, are these universities bad at college basketball because they have an NBA influence? Or were they bad despite the NBA influence? And, and, I, and I think it's that. You look at the program. St. John's has had some success before. Georgetown's had some success before. But they are never the most dominating basketball college basketball programs around.
So we're going to head to our last commercial break. We'll come back with a few questions for you, Yates. So get ready to to be on the the coldest hot seat ever. And uh, stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Now, back to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. Back final segment, read a couple texts in from the NBA debate. Hannah texts in and says, Kentucky is a basketball-driven state. If this NBA team was did well, both U of L and UK support goes down. Goes on to say that U of L is a growing university and needs support more than Kentucky needs it. If the NBA team was good, would it hurt Louisville? Again, I just don't think it would. As long as Louisville was good, if Louisville was bad, then maybe it would hurt that. But then the the flip side is, what would the support be for a consistently bad U of L basketball team be anyways? Now that hasn't happened in a long time. Louisville can have a bad year and still have good, fine support for a year, but if Louisville basketball was bad for three years, how would how would that support be? And if Louisville had an NBA team and it was good and Louisville's basketball program started to do bad and have a few bad years, then, yeah, the support would be would be bad, but it would be bad regardless. You'd have to adjust and adapt. And I think that's something that UofL can do. I, I think that's something that UofL, uh, they have all the resources to bring in a good coach after Rick Pitino where bad seasons shouldn't be consistent. It's unavoidable for a program to avoid a bad season once every five or ten years. But to ever think Louisville's consistently going to struggle, one, has nothing to do with an NBA team. Two, if that were to happen, support's going to be down. People don't like losing teams regardless. And at least, and on the flip side, if you're a Louisville fan and Louisville does have a bad few stretch of years, at least you'd have an NBA team to, to cling on to. The basketball season ends in March, early April. If Louisville has a good NBA team, you're going to have Kentucky and Louisville fans watching basketball into late June. June. That's fun. That's exciting. That's something you can get behind. So it's a fun debate. I'm passionately on the side for an NBA team to Louisville. I realized... Year in and year, as the year goes on, it's less likely to happen. Gates, you ready for some questions? Sure. The first one comes in from Squilliam underscore 1855. Yates, when you're in studio, do you, <laughs> do you, do you have to wear work pants or can you dress casual? I'm currently wearing a t-shirt and shorts. Okay, so that answers that. Uh, that. That's the great thing about radios. You don't really have to dress up. One, nobody knows unless we ask. Two, you got to be comfortable when you're when you're doing radio. I'm currently in the in the same Yates. Obviously, not the the same shorts that you're wearing, but I think they get it. 
I hope so. All right, Brun, DM- Brun DMC asks, what are you going to be for Halloween? And this is an important question. Uh, you know what? I haven't decided that yet. The, the wife and I have been invited to a couple parties, so we're trying to figure out what we are going to be, and we, we haven't come to a, a decision yet. Although I think the leader in the clubhouse currently might be Ron Swanson. Man, Ron Swanson's a good one, and something my girlfriend had thrown around for me. I Ron Swanson is a good one. I, I haven't really thought of my... We'll talk a little bit about Halloween yet. I haven't really thought about my Halloween costume yet, but I like to think I'm pretty good at Halloween costumes. I'm really good at mailing it in, but also being kind of funny. And I, I get excited about it. And uh, maybe people disagree with me wholeheartedly. I don't know. So I guess it was three years ago. I really mailed it in, but I sold it well. People were on board with it. They thought it was clever and funny. I just put a hashtag on a white t-shirt and and said that I was a trending topic and making everybody else a trending topic. And it was, uh, you know, it it was mailing it in to the extreme. But again, I, I was able to sell it. People thought it was funny. I'd stand next to them and they'd go, oh, look, Superman's a trending topic. And it was stupid, but it It worked. The following year, and this was a big hit, I was a ghost. Um, Just your typical bed sheet over the head, arm cutouts, wore white sweatpants, white sweatshirt, and and tennis shoes. Uh, You had to wear tennis shoes. Uh, So that was a big hit. People thought it was hilarious. Really hard to see in it, though. I actually did wear it to the bars. Um, and, and this is kind of a funny story. Wore it to two keys in Lexington for a costume con. They were having a costume contest. And basically, they just said, whoever wants to be in the contest, get up on stage. So my buddy and I went on stage, and he was dressed as a penguin. And the DJ said, all right, next we have the penguin. And if you cheered, you got to stay on. It was kind of the loudest cheer. And then if you <laughs> you, you booed, you got off. And at this point, people were kind of, not paying attention. They were kind of over the whole thing. So uh, my buddy goes up there as the penguin and he instantly just starts putting thumbs down at everybody and starts booing them. So naturally they start to boo him. So he kind of got the crowd back involved and, and next they called me up as the ghost and it wasn't all boos, but it, there was, there were quite a few boos, but here's the thing. I, I'm not willing to admit that they were, saying they didn't like me. I think the boos were a term of endearment since I was wearing a ghost costume. And I think the boos were support. Uh, they were going, they were saying boo, like boo, jumping out and scaring because they liked my costume so much. Uh, the DJ did not agree with me and I ended up losing the Halloween costume. But makes for a good story anyways. A story that anybody that it's close to me. It's probably heard uh, several times. <laughs> and then last year, uh, I was dating my girlfriend, and we I, uh, dressed up as Batman and Batwoman. Uh, I wanted to. I, I couldn't decide if I wanted to mail it in just with a. I have an Under Armour Batman shirt, and just do that and say I was Batman, or if I wanted to wear this really goofy, funny Batman costume that had like fake blow up muscles. So the last minute I did an audible wore the 
wore the Batman costume altogether, the whole outfit, and it was really funny. Uh, again, this is just me telling. It's funny. It's probably naturally not really that good, but for this year, I don't know what I'm going to do. Run DMC. Uh, probably, probably imagine I'll do a couple's costume of some sort, so they'll have to play that into it. He says that he's going to wear John McEnroe's outfit. And then he says, TJ, you can't be Ron Swanson because you can't grow a mustache. That's not true. I can absolutely grow a mustache. Now, I would need to probably not shave by Halloween, and it still wouldn't look quite like quite like Ron Swanson's, but I can grow a mustache. All right, Yates, we need one more question. I haven't really looked to see if there's any other ones in yet. Why, why don't you just tell us something about yourself, Yates? That's terrible. That that doesn't count as an Ask Yates segment. What's your biggest fear in life? Um, That's a good one. I guess as far as um, like practical fears and not like something existential like failure, uh, I'll go with I do have a pretty serious fear of heights. Really? Yeah. So no, no roller coasters? Uh, no, I like roller coasters. I mean, they're okay, although I haven't been on one in quite a while. Um, but just like, like, I don't know, just being like, I don't know if you've ever been to, I guess it's the Kentucky Center and been up in the I, top level. I have. It, it, it bothers me. We, we went to a play one time. We were in the first row of the top level, and I was terribly uncomfortable anytime I was not sitting down in the chair. Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, I, uh, height. Not it doesn't bother me too much. Uh, what on on the subject? Bridges over water kind of scare me. I think that would just be a terrible way to go if the bridge were to break and be trapped in your car underwater. And then also tunnels sometimes bother me. It's just putting a lot of faith into some architects that you don't know that made these structures decades before I was even born. Uh, but heights. Okay, well, that was a good Ask, ask Yates Wednesday. We'll everybody brainstorm for next Wednesday. We'll get some other ones there, too. But uh, Halloween costume debate might be something that we're also going to keep on the show moving forward. But we're out of time for today. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk more UK, Louisiana, Monroe, since we didn't talk any of that today. So stick around for 3 o'clock tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks. To my old Kentucky home, my old Kentucky home. Uh, they say welcome to the 502. Take the Jordan boy, show him how Kentucky do. Uncle Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget to seven, no be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it.